hey guys welcome to church and other drugs uh my name is jed you're the congregation this is the show this is the first uh time i'm recording since i've gotten home from the hospital with my new baby daughter it's a girl dude it was a big shock big shocker we were really convinced it was going to be a boy but it's a girl i'm a girl dad holy crap dude so far so good she is perfect she's flawless uh her name is ruth and it's amazing we will you know you're gonna hear a lot about uh how i am coping with it um george is doing well the baby's doing well everybody's healthy i really could not have uh, asked for a better experience um so just so far so good thank you everyone who's been praying uh messaging supporting it's it's great it's been great so far um so I'm going to be releasing some of the episodes that I pre-recorded prior to all this so that I had less work to do. And today is with Matt Oxley, and we weren't even sure what we were going to talk about. And it turned out to be just a mostly opiate education episode. Uh, I talk about my old live journal, and then uh, I basically talk to Matt about addiction and opiate addiction and all things uh, that. It's actually, it was a super fun conversation and uh, it's kind of old school church and other drugs. I think you're going to enjoy it. So, um, enjoy. Uh, send me an email churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com uh, patreon.com slash churchandotherdrugs and uh, storefrontier.com slash churchandotherdrugs There, there we go. go. Yep. Okay. okay. I was just about to text you. I thought you were yeah. like a statue for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I really need to. Um, I still use fucking SoundCloud to host my podcast. Like, yeah, I should really. I yeah. So I should change that like today, shouldn't Do you I? pay for that? Yeah. How much do you pay? 20. Holy fuck. Uh, you can like Substack, you can do it for free, and people can like subscribe for money. Wait. Really? Yeah, that's where I'm hosted. And so, and you just, uh, well, the other one, uh, what's the one that Spotify owns now? Anchor? Is that it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. I'm trying to find the one that'll have the easiest 
transfer. Yeah, that's going to be a pain because I don't know enough about SoundCloud. Well, apparently, well, that's what I'm saying. With um, that's why Anchor was attractive because apparently it's just like enter your RSS and it just does the deal. Yeah. I think when you first set it up, Substack will too. What does Anchor cost? <laughs> Ten bucks, maybe something. It's cheap. What, what's so? I'm looking at Substack right now. Yeah, I thought I, I never even knew what Substack was. What it, yeah. so for writers and readers, but you can host a podcast on it. Yeah. Like, uh, do you remember Pathios back in the day? <sighs> yes and no. Yeah. So I was a writer on that, and it was just a, it was just a, an amalgamation of blogs all about religion in some way. Do you, but, are we recording? We are recording. Yeah. Did you ever... I don't know if I ever did this. Um, well, welcome to Church and Other Drugs. My name's Jed, and uh, I'm here with Matt Oxley. Yep. Do you remember him from the the great... Wait, I was trying to think of an atheist jab, but I got nothing. Um, <sighs> the great deconstruction? Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're going to talk about deconstruction today because nobody has ever talked about that on a podcast ever. That's true. Um, what I was about to do, I was about to go look at my live journal real quick just to, oh, just God. to give you, just to give you, I'm just going to randomly, number one, here's my login. Here's my screen name. X one X hope X. Okay. One. Dang. Hope. Yeah. That's, Dang. that's tough, dude. Ooh. <laughs> Let's Hard. just find, let's just find. I'm just going to pick a random entry and read it to you to, to give you an idea of oh, how. <laughs> just so you know, I'm not going to play the reverse of this game where I do this. No, that's fine. Just that's not fine. So, do okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> my, on my page, my, I was, I was so emo, dude. Uh, the heading is, I'm a bill you pay. I'm a contract you can't break. And that is a lyric from the Bright Eyes, um, Sideband Desaparecidos. All right, let's check some journal entries. Deep cuts, bro. This is okay. Oh my god, I don't want to read this, dude. It's so <laughs> embarrassing. Sixteenth January two thousand twelve, six forty-seven a.m. This is this is this is what I wrote. This has gone on quite long enough. Time to shoot myself or get off the fucking pot. <laughs> All right. That's what am I doing, dude? What if you am post I post that on Facebook today? The cops get will trouble. show up at your yeah. house. I would get in trouble, bro. Oh, and this is funny. Uh, they <laughs> the next post they need to make a sobriety test device that will lock you out of your live journal and everything if you're too fucked up. <laughs> That's still a good idea. Um. Oh, then I posted the lyrics to Emery, uh, one of their songs. Uh, here's one. I'm really starting to wonder if I'll ever really be completely happy in a relationship with another person. Maybe I've already given up, and that's why it seems so difficult. Or maybe it's so distorted in my head that I've actually had it a bunch of times and not known who the hell knows. Dang. Jesus, bro. So, Oh, my God. How old were you? Uh, this all right. This? So this was in this one was in 2010. So do the math. I'm 36. Okay. So 26. Oh no. Well. No. No. 
Yeah. How old was I? 23. Okay. That's yeah. embarrassing. And now uh, you also have reported to me that you were kind of a man whore at a certain point. Yeah, of course. Was this during that same time? Uh, n- actually, no. No, this, this was, this was, this, I was, I was a very, em- like an emo serial monogamist. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I am the most miserable I've been in a while and may seriously cut my wrist or buy a shotgun and shoot myself in the head. I'm not crazy. I've been thinking about it. And these are the conclusions I decided on. That is all. And wow. Just like that's just waiting, wanting. I mean, obviously, just wanting people to comment on it. Let's see what one person commented yeah, on that one. What, what did they curious. say? Uh, which is probably what I wanted, dude. Don't if you even think about it. Call me first. I'm fucking serious. I don't remember who that was. <laughs> Exploit the best. And it's like, you know, jeez, bro. There was okay. I do want to read this because I I forget about this. So I my um and I, I guess I have to trust um my note at the time. But so one of my um I guess it was like my most serious overdose. I took uh it was this medication called Gabatril, which is a GABA agonist, which is really weird. So, like, the psychiatrist gave it to me because she was, like, assuming that I couldn't abuse it. And, of course, I figured out a way to abuse it. And if anyone's familiar with anything that has to do with GABA, that neurotransmitter, you're going to... So, that's what alcohol affects. It's a... a, um, It reduces excitatory neuron firing. So... All that to say, you're, it, it can have seizures as the opposite effect. So if you're reducing, yeah. okay, then it can have seizures. So one night I took, um, like one night I took like six of them and I drank and I got fucked up. And then so logically, the next night I was like, well, I'm not going to drink. So then I'll just take like 12. I'll just double the dose of just Jesus. a straight pill. And I went into a... uh I think they called it like a catatonic seizure state where the last thing I remember um, was I was will forever be in my mind was I, I uh, the world like started shaking. I didn't really know what was going on. My vision was just shaking and I was like, I need to lay down and I turned on man versus wild. And I remember a shaky view of bear grills. That's the last thing I remember. And then I woke up, Four days later. And so what had happened was um, I went into this seizure and the first thing I did was hit my head on a glass table that was right in front of me and cracked my skull open. And then I started seizuring blood all over the room, like just throwing it. And so I was living with these two. I made amends to them recently again, actually, but these two church girls and they they. They were they went to Sunday night church while I did this, and so they came home to this freaking murder scene. Um, and then I was terrifying. in a coma, terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Uh, and then I was in a coma for three days, and when I woke up out of the coma, it was when so this was at a Catholic hospital, and they had a priest. 
going around the ICU or like the coma patients and just praying over them. Right. And I woke up when he was praying over me. Okay. So the first thing I see after Bear Grylls is I open my eyes (laughs) and I see a clergyman and I'm um, hooked up to a respirator. So like I can't, you know, I don't know what is going on, but I remember seeing him and two. I thought, so this is the, the only thing that is confirmed is that he was there. What is not confirmed, nobody can tell me if they were or not. But I remember seeing two women at, at his right and left side. And I thought, I think just because of he was a clergyman, I think my, my brain was like, you're dead and you're in heaven or something. And so I remember thinking I was dead um, and just bursted up crying, dude. Um, so I I have, and I, I forget... But I have a post from the hospital, like the next day, um, of what I I documented that this guy said to me. So I'm trying to find it real quick. Um, okay. Interesting. Fuck. You've been through yeah, some shit, it, dude. I, I've always dude. been so scared of drugs. So I just well the hard shit. I just don't even think about. Well, I was about to say you're not scared of you're not scared of drugs because like the the weed these yeah. days is a potent ass drug, dude. Oh yeah. It's, it's some, it's some serious business. Um, God, when was this? When was this? When did this happen? Um, what, so why is it because of stories like this, that you're scared of it or why? Like, like how far have you it. gotten I, on? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So I've just always been worried about addiction really, but you know, what I've what do you seen mean you overdoses and stuff? Tell me, tell me about that. Like, what do you mean you grew up with it? Like your your my, parents my dad your... was well. My dad and his whole family really were hardcore addicts, alcohol, really, lots and lots of narcotics. He was like a big drug trafficker here. Big, really, big, big, yeah. I've been in high speed chases and shit, all that shit. I've I've seen him dispose of just thousands and thousands and thousands of pills because the cops were on him. That's interesting. Yeah. I had a crazy traumatic childhood. Insanely traumatic. Was there it like so you say pills. Was there anything he was on? Like was he a cokehead? Was he a method? Was he a opiate addict? Or was he just a, a dealer? You probably just put him in the category of opiates. Like lots okay. and lots of opiates. Okay. Oxycontin, so you, really once that came out, that okay. was his thing. Yeah. So was he doing the uh, interstate doctor shopping deal? Yeah, he was. Him and his sister were in collusion, moving a lot of stuff in the nineties. Wow, I don't know. I didn't know I that know about much you. about how so, that worked or anything because I was really little. But yeah. so what happened? I mean, he's still around, right? No, he's dead. He he oh. abused himself for my whole life at least and everybody around him he was an awful human being um but no he he died as addicted as as he lived he oh man for like new you know stronger stuff i've seen him do like you know 10 zan bars a day and four or five somas and uh 
the suckers, you know, the suckers that are open. Yeah, the, the uh, morphine lollipops, fentanyl yeah. lollipops. That's a deep cut, dude. That's yeah, a deep cut. Stuff like that. He was big on, I mean, just all of it. That And so when, how long ago did he die? 17, I think. 2017 or 17 years ago? 2017, I'm pretty sure. Wow, so... So you never... So he, so he, like he never, he never, he, you never saw him sober. Like it, he died for like two years. He was in like a sober living community thing. Wow, kind of tolerable for for that amount of time. But otherwise, he was just he was he he did not. I was a really emotional kid. I would cry at stuff. Like just anything would make me cry. Really, and I, I mean, you know, still am. Well, yeah, changed much, but he hated that about me. So it was, uh, he he would beat the shit out of me for crying. Where was, um, man, like even as like a one, two, three, four, five year old. Yes, uh, he he wow. believed in the philosophy that children are to be seen and not heard. Yeah, and he okay. really took it to extremes. He had some weird religious thoughts and ideas that I don't know where they really came from. I had well, so. I have my weird religious thought that I get that in in retrospect kept me kept me out there using I was the classic um high on heroin trying to proselytize the gospel like <laughs> yeah. um which you know but I so there's a couple things about it like number 1 if I did not if there's an alternate version of, of my life where I did the drug things that I did, but I did not have a core belief of God, it would have been, that was like, I had one, I had, a, I had like two tethers that would be yeah. God, uh, fear of hell, and then needing my parents, uh, like financial support. So those were like the, the two things that would sort of keep me in somewhat of a, of a, of a line. And I, I, I was fully sold out on the theology that this world is complete bullshit and we're just passing through. And I just did not understand why no Christian had figured out the loophole that like, why don't I just kill myself and go to heaven like what is the point of all this shit yeah and if i'm honest that's that's still not not that thought but there is still the thought of like okay well so what are we supposed to be doing here in in the meantime and um basically fighting the idea of you know what paul said like well should i just keep sinning then and it's like well no dude like that's not how it works i mean you can i guess but you're gonna suffer consequences um yeah, because the, there was only the the darkest the darkest I had gotten was I think I was I'd finally turned twenty one. Um, I had uh, I had prescriptions that were extremely profitable at the time. Um, this was when like Suboxone, which is uh, like the new methadone, had just come out, so not many people had access to it. So. I got like 360 a month and I was selling them for $25 a piece. And this was in like, Sheesh. you know, yeah. So I had, I had money Shit. finally. And I was, That's uh, pretty nice. Fuck. It was dude. It was super nice. Um, I sold it to a lung cancer patient every month. He'd, he'd oh. buy 250 of them. Yeah. I hope, I wonder if he's probably dead, but that, the, the, 
um, the relationships you find, like doing those kind of relationships, I always think about just like, there was another guy like with lupus that would sell me his uh, Opanas, which was a strong painkiller. It's just a, this guy was, I mean, this, the lung cancer guy was like, he didn't do drugs. Like he needed it for the pain relief. Like, you know, it's, it was a nice fella. I hope he's, maybe he made it. I don't know. Um, where was I going with that before I got onto the people I met? Oh, fiddle sticks. Um, well, so, and then on the, on the, the story of, of overdoses, and this is something, and maybe some of this will offer you a different perspective on your dad. I don't know. But, um, I, I had always said like I was overdosing before it was cool. Right. So I, I've had, I've had six hospitalized overdoses and this was, this was before fentanyl. My, my last one was on, uh, August 24th. 2013 and that was that that would have been right that probably was a fentanyl overdose um and that one i guess was uh um important or it stands out to me because it was it was part of it was basically part of the reason i I got sober at that time was so i went to my dealers uh got it you know, did a shot like I usually do in my car and then just started driving. And then I woke up in the hospital and I was like, what the fuck happened? And I had left a gram of heroin, uh, on the gear shift on it, very plainly on the gear shift. And what had happened was I just fell out driving and just stopped my car in the middle of the road. And like passerbyers came by cop hospital. They, they Narcan me and a cop got in my car moved it off the road okay and so when i'm at the hospital the whole time i called my friend i was like you got to come get me i got to get to my car because i'm like i'm gonna like i need that bag and i get there and the bag is sitting on the gear shift and i was like who moved my car and they're like a cop did so that i was like okay god and i was on probation at the time so i was like okay i hear you i'm gonna uh i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go get sober um the thing with opiate any kind of overdoses really they they are really traumatic um the the two other ones that i that i would say were like seriously if if certain things didn't happen i would have died one of them ironically um my buddy paul rest in peace he saved me from it by injecting me with methamphetamine i'd fallen out on heroin and he injected me with meth and brought me back he ended up dying um a one before that, though, was when I was taking uh, Xanax with opiates, which is just a death sentence. And um, I got Narcan back to life. And so it's so like that was being Narcan is extremely traumatic um, because it rips the opioids off of your receptors in an instant, sending you into immediate withdrawal. Right. So you just basically no. wake up in a full panic seizure. You don't really know where you are. So all of that to say, the experience for the user, for me, is extremely fragmented, um, chaotic, uh, hazy, um, because especially with Narcan, it has, oh, I don't know, it's like a three-hour half-life or something. So 
if you did enough, you're going to be high again in three hours. Like oh, once wow. it wears off, then you're high again. So it's like, I really don't remember them. And what I do remember about them is that all the attention was on Jed and Jed was in this crisis mode. And if people, you know, if, if, if people, if, if I need people that I'm seen and like, it was this, I don't want to say it was like not enjoyable, but like first for someone that suffered with depression, self-esteem, uh, people pleasing, have, being an empath, things like that. Like I didn't feel wanted or needed, I guess, without these like intense times of um, focused attention. So it was not until I got sober and the first thing that the first one that happened was my buddy Bradley. He overdosed. Um, I'd been sober for a year. And I went to his hospital room and I talked to his mom and dad and he was unconscious on a respirator and we didn't know if he was going to live or die. And I said, oh, that's what this is like. Like, this is horrible. Like, it was horrible. And I suddenly, like, I just got chills talking about it. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, it, this is the worst thing ever to do to your loved ones. Yeah. Like... But for him, you're not even there. You're unconscious. You're in and out. You're on like hospital drugs. Like you don't, you can't remember it to any kind of, there's no gravity to it. You just kind of come to. Um, but for us, it's just like, holy, it's the most helpless feeling in the world. I did not understand how Narcan worked. I thought it was kind of like an adrenaline shot or something along those lines. No. Well, so, you know. In a way, it is. So it's, it's, you've got, um, I always love talking about this shit. Um, so things, things like Suboxone, right? It is this opiate, synthetic opiate called buprenorphine. And then, uh, which is a partial agonist, which means, uh, do you know the basics of receptor sites and neurotransmitters? Uh, not to the point that you do at all. <laughs> It's simply the the simplest way you can think about it is locks and keys. So in your brain, in the synapses, you've got um, like a square, a space between the square and another square. One square shoots out a little circle and it fits into the clavicle of the other square that has a semicircle. So the circle fits in, right? And then that causes that neurotransmitter to do something to either, because it's, it's always interesting to know that like, People always assume that like I I am high because of the drug, but really most drugs are either telling your body to produce something more or quit uh, recycling something that you already have. So like if like cocaine blockades, so it fills up the dopamine receptor. So like it pumps out dopamine, and the normal cycle is you you pump out a dopamine it gets sucked back up and it gets recycled and that's called like reuptake. So if a drug tells it to don't take that dopamine back, then it's free floating. So then that good feeling is just extended and extended and withdrawal happens because your brain is like, well, that cocaine told us to quit producing dopamine. So we're going to stop making it. And if you don't have the cocaine, your body has to adapt again to start making its own stuff again. So, with something like Suboxone, 
it is a, a partial agonist, which means it kicks off opiates. So say you take heroin. That fills your opiate receptors, which makes you feel good. Then you take something like Suboxone. It's going to kick off, we'll say, six of the opiate receptors that heroin was on. But since it's a partial agonist, it's only going to fill up three of them. So it's it's sort of, it kicks everything off, but it doesn't quite cover everything. That's why things, um, it has what's called a ceiling effect. So like you're only going to get so high on it. Then you have something like naloxone or Narcan or naltrexone, all the same chemical. It is just a straight up opiate agonist, which means it is just going to go in there, rip off every single thing that is on your opiate receptors. And cement it over so that nothing can touch it while that is in your system. And if you have opiates on your receptors, it is the most painful experience in the, it's unbelievable, like how painful it is. Every, so like a typical opiate high is, um, you stop producing mucus, uh, you get constipated, feelings of well-being, everything in your life feels great. Um, it affects your histamine. Uh, affects muscle pain. So the withdrawal effects are absolutely identical. So your histamine production goes into overdrive. So you yeah. sneeze, you get runny nose, you get cold and flu. Itchy. I've been itchy. itchy. Yeah. I've done, I, I, uh, I have migraines. <laughs> so I have a only emergency use nose spray that's like a pure opiate. And it's wild. Really? It's, what is it called? Do you know by chance? Uh, hold on, I, I okay. can't think of it. <laughs> I, I I I got to know. <laughs> I must know. Yeah, so welcome people to if I can even Jed, find Jed's it. chemistry chemistry corner. I'll just keep talking just in case Here you can't. Oh, nice. Uh, butorphanol tartate. Butorphanol. Yeah. Whoa. Butor. Butorphanol. Found it. It's a fucking wild ride, man, because I'm not used to this kind of Whoa, thing. Whoa, dude. It is a morphinian-type synthetic agonist-antagonist opioid, most, cl- most closely structurally related to levorphanol. Inject. That's I've never heard of that one. That's wild. Yeah, it's great. Here's the little bottle. It's very hard to get. They make me go through all kinds of hoops. Oh, I'm sure. But I mean, it, it works. Oh. Like, you're gonna sleep. So, so this is one of those crazy. Um, there's so, I, and it, tell me if if this shit is not interesting. But um, oh yes, I'm fascinated right now because this is all yeah. shit I would never try. Yeah. So you've got um, there's like a, a a few main opioid receptors in your brain. The the mu opioid receptor is the one that you want. That's the yay. I feel great. There's one called the kappa opioid receptor that ironically causes dysphoria and makes you feel like shit. And so things like kratom and this, this that butorphanol that I just learned, at certain doses, it starts hitting the kappa agonist and it'll actually make you feel worse. So it's like a weirdly dose sensitive thing. Um, and so things like that have a lower potential for abuse because you can only get so high and if you it's like self-limiting okay. um the, I've the only nose ever done thing, like the one spray 
that it recommends. And what does it do? Does it, do you get any euphoria from it? Yeah, I feel great. I feel, I'm sure the first time I did it, I, I was just like, holy fuck, you know, this is, yeah, this is no joke. And I started itching a lot. I was really itchy. Yep. That's the um, histamine. And then I don't remember much because all I want to do is go to sleep anyway because you're tired. Oh, the yes. They make you exhausted. So you just sleep and sleep and it's the best sleep strongest sleep you're just fucking tired and uh, there was yeah. um yeah it's that's like an episode of like a long time ago it's like joey <laughs> uh, uh i was talking to joey and he was we were talking about opiates and he was like talking about one of his kidney stone episodes and he's like i was in the hospital and they hit me with this drug and he's like jed you don't like you don't understand like how good it's <laughs> i was like joey like Yes, he does. <laughs> Duh! Like that—that is—that's the appeal, buddy. That's yeah. why they feel so good. Uh, one of my favorite stories about nasal sprays, though, is so there was this chemist dude who created, to date, the strongest opioid ever made on planet Earth. Uh, I think it was like called ferrofentanyl or something something gnarly and it was something like you know ten thousand times more potent than morphine right and he produced it into a nasal spray and so he would just go to his work and just just nasal spray in this shit and so when the dea finally caught him they destroyed all his work and because of the opiate that he had made the opioid that he had made that was so strong and the dea destroyed it there wasn't a opiate on earth that could touch his withdrawal symptoms and he had a heart attack and died awaiting trial because they like he was they were just like dude you have like we we got nothing like you made something too strong so that like there's nothing we can give you bud and yeah he had had cardiac arrest crazy crazy i have to pee pee oh yeah i'm listening um should i pause it or just keep going keep going i'm just gonna yeah make a quick pee pee I was I, I I had this thought um the other day about how like it was probably a massive mistake to shoot up heroin when I was 17 years old with my little adolescent brain because it's if you've got um if you've got that that gene which they have like identified a gene for opiate addiction um you're just you're screwed man it's like it's just once you, any sort of opiate touches my system it is just game over and it's just like i guess to describe to describe the addiction to people that maybe aren't familiar with addiction it's not it's not like the classic i feel like people misunderstand it like it's it is all a disease of of the mind and it's you can't beat your mind with the same mind that is attacking you. (laughs) Like you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created the problem. So like you cannot win against it. And as soon as that feeling enters my body in that moment, immediately normal life, normal feeling is intolerable. And I have to, figure out a way to feel that good that feeling constantly i have to now figure out how to keep that going at a baseline level or or it to, you're trying to get high right yeah. and the 
older you get, this happens with benzos too. Benzos, alcohol, uh, opiates, drugs like that, that have like serious physical um, dependence issues. There's something called a kindling effect, which essentially is like if you're abusing and getting sober from a, a substance for decades, it's like you can imagine in your in your body just all these little bits of kindling are just stacking up. And so that like if I used heroin today, I would probably be physically dependent after two days, meaning I would have withdrawals after two days of using. Typically, it's like seven, seven to ten, you know, of yeah. normal people um, because my body just knows what's up. Uh, it's like, well, here we go again, you know, so. um yeah, it's That's it's wild. Nice. I mean, it sounds like hell. It is. It, I, because I know, the, like, you know, I kind of had a period where I just wanted to smoke weed all day. And yep. so if I didn't have it, I would get this panic and this, uh, I don't know, the normal didn't feel good enough to, to exist. So I just wanted to smoke. So I, it's, as far as that is, I get that a little bit, but I feel like it would be, you know, exacerbated times a hundred probably with an opiate yeah and, and the the exacerbation with that would would be from the actual the physical parts of it so it's it's yeah. it is like the worst flu you have had combined with the like have you ever been uh like have you ever been truly hungry or truly thirsty yes okay so then you then you understand it where it's like singular focus there's nothing else all you can think about all encompassing um and that's why when i when i try to talk to family members and why addiction is so hard and i'm i'm guilty of this too with with friends that i've tried to get sober where they would just you know the classic thing of like i don't get it like his boss said he would get fired if he used. I don't get it. Uh, yeah. I told him I would leave if he used. Uh, the government said they'd take his kids if he used, and he still used. Yeah. And I have to tell him, like, because it, it has nothing to do with his love or devotion to your family, to any of this. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. It is the um, – because they've identified now um, – what was it? The the five um I can't think of it. The hierarchy of needs where yeah, you know, the basics food, shelter, sex, uh security, and then they identified a new one, um, pleasure seeking. And so your your body at a baseline, the number one uh need at the top is don't die, survival. Right. Okay. And what addiction does is hijack that system and say that tell it's telling you that if you do not get this drug then you will die right. and so it's it's a yeah. weird thing that 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 death is placed above the need to not die so it's you're literally saying like i have to do that your body's saying i'm gonna die if i don't do this even though doing it will kill you it's a it is it's terrible it's 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 a horrible affliction i mean it really is and it's it fucking sucks to deal with if it's your family member if it's your loved one because yeah. it's and you i i i've had my doubts over the years of like you know i've gone back and forth like uh is it you know i don't know if it's really a disease what does that even mean 
And then, you know, in my group or something, I will see it. I will see it in someone. Like I see them sober one week and then I see them the next week and I hear what they're saying. And I'm like, I'm not even talking to Matt. I am talking to Matt's addiction right now. Like yeah. plain as day. And I'm like, oh shit, it totally is a disease because it's. I can see the symptoms. I hear the signs. I've heard the same things a trillion times. And it's it's a bummer. Like I my guess sister's an addict too. I don't know if I mentioned that. Is she currently using, or is she in recovery? If I ask her, no, I don't believe yeah. her. So I don't know. What's, I don't think. Does she? I think so. But. Does she have a particular, or is she just a garbage disposal, as we call them? Yeah, that's kind of that's the garbage disposal mentality is kind of what runs strong in my family because I think they would have pretty much done anything as long yeah. as it's available they'll do it um well so that's kind of what i always assumed she was up to but i know she was on meth for a good while uh, oh, that's that's what i was like meth and meth and benzos and even adderall and benzos yeah so that that's i feel like the the next issue like once god willing once we can kind of wrangle in fentanyl and, and clean that up um the amount of people in america that are just <laughs> rampantly affected by the stimulant this fucking amphetamine that they're taking yeah. every day plus a crazy potent sedative that they're taking in conjunction with this that affects your judgment and memory it's like these, these are people that are like in charge of like the government yeah. in charge of news things like our just like in world war ii like our yeah. culture and society is being shaped by amphetamines you know yeah. america's drug of choice um god I, I have that argument all day of like I'm not saying ADHD isn't a real thing. What I am saying is that amphetamines does the exact same thing to every single person. And that is make you hyper-focus. Like, oh, Adderall puts me to, like, it gets me tired. It's like, no, you're just, you're focused. Like, that. you're not special in that. Like, it does the same thing to everyone. I'm yeah. sorry, dude. It's like, you're just on an amphetamine. It's um, just what you're focused on, right? And it's right. It's right, the ability right. not to have a billion thoughts and to have just one. Yes. That's why you get sleepy. Yeah, I feel that. Um, I, I'm. I would say I'm pretty solidly an undiagnosed ADD person, but I would never try a methamphetamine to fix it because. Yeah, well, and it, it it. Well, and it works. I mean, it does work because yeah. it, you know amphetamines does its job. But it really, I mean, I've I I am also. Um, and I am probably like most, eh, not most, but my years of meth abuse absolutely, I think, have hangover effects that are probably permanent as far as like um, my attention to things and like how I process things. And so, like, yeah, I've I've been on Adderall for ADHD, and like, shocker, yeah, it works. I'm productive. I could get what I need done. The cost uh, for me is emotional. Um, my sense of humor is completely gone. It, it's it's a it's a pretty significant personality change, which I don't uh, enjoy, and I notice that in other people too. And, and I think most people will tell you too that like it it is 
it is changing you. It's the same reason when I talk to kids, um, they're like, weed is nothing. It doesn't even, you know, weed's just, a, you know, it doesn't do nothing. I'm like, then why do yeah. you fucking do it? Like, because <laughs> it has an effect. Like, you don't yeah. like, we can, of course it does something. That's why you do it. Like the whole point. That's the whole point. Like, I guess people feel attacked and anyone that's like taking Adderall listening for ADHD, like I'm not attacking you. I'm just saying like, objectively. It's doing something to you. It is changing something in you. It's just whether or not, I guess, you like that change. I, I, I've always had this thought experiment, too, of in an apocalypse scenario, how many people's mental health issues would disappear? Yeah, I wonder about that, too, actually. Like in a straight-up, even a survival situation, like, do you think, do I think, that I would still have major depressive disorder in the Amazon for a month. I don't, I know. don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. You're too busy surviving. Exactly. Yeah. So is 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 some of this stuff the cost of our western living, you know? Yes. I don't know. Everything is the fault of capitalism. Just remember that. That's always true. I yeah. <laughs> it really I, is. I, it really is. It re- it's it, well. It's a I have it's a, a terrible mortgage. You know, I I can't I can't go. I want to go into the Amazon. Honestly, I think we'd be better off. I don't know how well I do, but like we would be. I I don't think it can be bad for us to be closer to our roots. You know, I well, think I, th- that's I guess I guess the us. argument w- would be like the the counter argument would be like, well, how can you? It, like, is that our quote unquote roots? Like, is there, was there a time that we were doing exactly what we were quote meant to be doing? I guess yeah. that would be the I mean, kind that's, of, the, kind that's of the hard part, but like, that is the hard part. There's a really good book uh, I read about a year ago by David Graeber. Hold on, I have to think of the name. And David Wingrow. It's called The Dawn of Everything. And so, what What it's talking about is our idea of the noble savage, as Mm -hmm. we were kind of taught growing up, is a myth. You know, these were highly intelligent people with highly complex societies that were just run over eventually by a different, intelligent, capable society. And they were not structured in the way that we, with our Western eyes, think. You know, these hierarchies and and all of these rules and laws, things existed to, like, keep the peace and, like, to make sure the tribe survived. But there's so very little evidence of real hierarchy in, in, like, American natives and in that area that it turns everything on our head that we believe that those societies were. Because there so, was like, there's not much evidence for when you go go deeper in that, like the hierarchy thing. What do you? There's not much evidence that like there would be a like say, a system of government type thing. Yeah, like government would have been very loose. They talk about how okay government might exist for like the hunting season. It would turn on and off because you have to manage the individuals that are doing the hunting, making sure that people aren't over hunting. Okay that there is evidence that those sorts of governments did exist. But as far as having control over your life and things like that was very little. It was more 
the government exists for the greater good and nothing else. And it was probably just the system of like elders. Yeah, more more or right? less. Yeah, more I or mean, less. Yeah, I think it. I think it was largely based on elders, and no one was permanent. You know, the the idea of this mm. permanent state of government is is also not true. Well, it's a just just by virtue of the, and I have this thought often that we, and this 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 might be like my theory of everything because i keep coming back to it we there is enough for every single person on this world to live comfortably in essentially utopia and yet we cannot do it i don't think humans will be able to do it and therefore to me that is proof positive of this inherently broken part of the human spirit and to and so that's why i drift and embrace the abrahamic religion like that version of god because it makes sense to me that's what i see when i see the world it's like oh this could work i see how this could work it just seems like something broke it and something is going to be needed an outside force is going to be needed to fix it yeah, I mean, what like what do you? I think that kills us, though. I mean, it's it's the expect it's the expectation that God can do anything about it. When I think really, like the message of the gospel is, you have to do something about it, especially well, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in your own life. Well, I guess I'm speaking macro, yeah. uh, ultimate fate of the world. Yeah, like, do do you think? Utopia is possible at any point in human history. Do you think think that's possible? Utopia is kind of the state of perfection. Do I think that is possible? No, but I think that we could, as a society, decide. I mean, by far the the vast majority of us, it is in our best interest to make these sorts of changes. It's because of influence of media, influence of those who have power in the bourgeois, that we are not given the opportunity to even think of that as a possibility because we're too busy surviving, Mm. just like you would be in the Amazon. Um, Except for capitalism is so much more depressing. It is. Well, for some, for some. Well, yeah, for most. For most people, it's a nightmare. For the vast majority, billions and billions of people, capitalism is an absolute nightmare, and it is only great for like 1% of the population. Well, in... I I do have to admit though that yeah no I agree full agree and then it's it's kind of this I don't know if it's a sad truth but it's like I I have definitely benefited from capitalism yeah. you know I didn't I didn't grow up you know I didn't need for anything um so I guess that's a weird reconciliation to to be like yeah this well, I guess you can still be in a system and say say that it's broken. I mean, I can still benefit and say that it's broken. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have to operate as a capitalist. I own a business. I have we don't to have a choice. It. Yeah. yeah. That or yeah. start a commune somewhere. and Which always seems to end in one dude having sex with all the chicks. Yeah. Dr- the dream. <laughs> but well, I can't why seem is to make that? it happen. <laughs> I don't know. That? I mean, why I, I have really literally always wanted to start a cult and or... And or a hippie commune somewhere. 
That's like the dream, though. I do mean, you, the free love you, part just sounds like a, a bonus. Do you have a? Do you have like a a certain philosophy that you would base your your cult compound around? I don't know. Uh, probably just some Jesus stuff, kind of modified. Like uh, we're gonna correct the whole mistake of the church. Are you spinning? <laughs> oh, drumsticks! Sorry. <laughs> um, man, yeah, I I got caught. Um, I need to not do this late night. Uh, I got caught going down the YouTube rabbit hole of um, prosper like um, seeker seeker movement and prosperity. Yeah mega church pastors like worst moments and like oh, false boy. teachings and i got stuck on stephen furtick and then i landed on um perry noble are you familiar yeah, i know who he is. okay so his new church second chances church so uh perry noble was um which i actually liked this about him he was a mega church pastor but also an alcoholic and so he got uh, he had to, I can't remember the exact details but he stepped down and started a new church called second chance church but I landed on his uh, sermon, I guess it was last Sunday, uh, talking about Israel, and I was like with him and with him, and then he like just drops in like woke ideology in the military, and I'm like, why, like, why are you talking about that? Like, it's like, okay, man, I don't know. He he was one of those. Um, he was staunchly defending Israel and then kind of pointing to like, Hey, I think this might be the end of times sort of thing, yeah. which he presented some, like some evidence that I had uh, not considered before. So it was, it was an interesting listen, but, um, God, um, the guy in Louisiana, uh, he is like a, um, a Copeland type guy, Jesse Duplantis. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Jeez. That dude sucks. Yeah. I was like my the church I was last at was caught up in the whole word of faith thing. So I saw Benny Hinn multiple times, and I went to Creflo Dollar's church multiple times. And it was like Creflo, a Creflo, just yeah. that dude's name. I know was the best name, Creflo Dollar. <laughs> but like I oh, used I, to go to those services, and the, they stopped sitting with me. Right, they just started to kind of bother me because that's okay if that's a a a belief you have, does it have to be every single sermon, every word that comes out of your mouth is based on this, like, God is going to bless me because I've fulfilled this formula? Like, it is financially, super, specifically. Yes, financially, specifically. And, I mean, it's it's impossible not to see that it's a pyramid scheme with the the big guy on top. It's So that yeah. that's actually what I finally left my church over and then let myself really figure it out i guess that's a, that's a fair thing to leave a church over yeah. and i don't i i have come to believe that so you know i i no longer adhere to uh eternal conscious torment that kind of idea of hell however i honestly um uh what's pity it's a it's a pity empathy is there a word for that but like i fear for for people like people that use God, like that is t like saying, "Oh God," is not using God's name in vain. Using God's name in vain is saying God told me to give, told me to tell you to give me two hundred dollars. Like yeah, that's blasphemy. I 
fear for them for whatever correction, whatever um I mean punishment, justice, whatever's gonna happen. Like I fear for that. That is like Yeah. It's just an evil I can't really even wrap my head around. Like how they like what do they like what does Kenneth Copeland think about when he lays down in, in the very human moment of laying his head down on his pillow at night? Like what is he fucking think? Is he like Oh, I am <laughs> Ooh, I'm yeah, gonna. I, I wonder get if it. he knows that he's a charlatan or not. But you would have to, yeah. Sure, <sighs> you have to. But like, there are people who own mega corporations, exploiting you know a uh, hundred thousand yeah. workers who think they're doing all the right things and are wonderful for society. So people uh, can convince themselves of all sorts of, of terrible things. Did you Did you ever watch Succession? I have not, but somebody it might have been you mentioned it. So I think I'm going to start it. It's soon. You should. It's great. Or suits. Um, and Maybe it's, it was Suits I was hearing about. Every, yeah, that one popped on Netflix. So everyone was, was on that one. Succession was great because it, it does a great job of just showing, showing how unbelievably out – not not even out of touch. It's just the billionaire reality is the only reality. And yeah. like normal people are just not normal people to them. Yeah, they and think it's really, we all live like they do. Or, or it's like they're – no, it's it's like they know in that show it's they're really just like fuck them like they're just little ants they're just peons like okay. they don't even matter they they serve to make us more money type of okay. thing. like there's no care whatsoever and I mean really and truly like you can be a god I've said this a bunch of times but you can be a god in this if you have a trillion dollars you can do wondrous things. You know what I'm saying? Like you can manip. Like I'm sure there are there is some designer drugs out there that some trillionaire oil chic right now is high on that makes you know heroin look like peppermint candy. Isn't dude. that like, that adrenochrome? Is that um... yeah, exactly exactly something like that? I've yet to uh, you know this is an open call. If anybody has ever done adrenochrome, uh, contact me because I'd love to hear it. Otherwise, it's bullshit. Yeah, I think Not that's true. probably fake. Well, it is a real thing. It's a real thing, but the oh. like the um you know, that you harvest it from the screaming children adrenal glands, that's not so much a proven <laughs> thing. It's like being milked. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Gross. Man. We went uh we went all over the place on this one, but I liked it. Yeah. So let's see. We we covered uh, opiates, uh, capitalism, adrenochrome, mega pastors, and uh, I learned about a new migraine medicine that yeah. uh, that I can <laughs> really well that I, that I can never ever try. <laughs> no, you may not. You shouldn't. Nope. Until unless like you know, I reserve like once I hit ninety. If I make it to ninety, game yeah. on, game okay. on. I got just, you there. Just let me chill. Yeah, just a doctor. Just you know, just let me let me. It's let good me, for let kidney me ride stones out. too. It's great for all kinds of terrible things that can happen to the human I, body. Knock on wood, I've never had them, and I hope I never do. I drink so much water just because I'm afraid of that. Good, just keep doing. Have that. you? Is it the worst thing in the world? It, migraines are worse, but kidney stones are really close. But I had one that was nine and a half millimeter. <sighs> I don't know. You just 
oh, kind of picture God. that. And I passed it naturally. So that's actually how I got started doing weed is the day that I passed it, my brother had given me a joint and said, you know, here, you need you need this. After a year and a half of just suffering with this fucking kidney stone. And I'm scared of doctors, that's... so I wouldn't go and let them, like, bust it up. So Why are you scared of doctors? Needles scare the fuck out of me. Oh, okay. Bad. Um, so I take a hit of this joint, and I just relax, like, immediately. And, like, two hours later, I pass that stone with no pain whatsoever. It just oh, that's great. popped right out. And then I was like, okay, this shit's amazing. I'm in love with it. Give me lots more of it. So I became yep. a, a stoner, I guess. But, it, I mean, uh, there's nothing better for it. It just relaxes everything, so you can let it happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the funny thing about needles was I was deathly afraid of needles starting out. Oh, yeah. Like, so, I mean, the first time um, somebody did it for me, and it was really, I was going to snort it, and then I get there, and the guy's like, just shoot it up. And I was like, uh, okay, I mean, you do it for me. And I just turned my head, didn't look at it, and that was that. So then I fell in love with needles for many, many, many years. Um, that, you know, that's the, the thing about um, people that inject drugs. Uh, then you get hooked on the, you know, it's a Pavlovian response. You get hooked on the active. Like I would shoot up salt water just to Jesus. feel it. Like, what? yeah, the fuck? shooting up Benadryl and alcohol and that's crazy. Dude. Water. That's nuts. Well, it's, it's, there's, uh, the, this specific thing where seeing blood shoot up into a needle Get like right now gives me a lizard brain response of just like <gasps> so huh. fell in love with needles and want to pass out just well the thought here check it out so then I uh started shooting meth and meth is extremely caustic and so a lot of uh like water soluble drugs like opiates um cocaine. You can just straight up, you know, just jam a needle in your muscle, shoot it, and you'll feel it. It'll just slowly Gosh. dissolve in your muscle. Meth, if you miss a shot of meth, hurts like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it's just like pouring battery acid on your muscle. So I, for like a two-year period, um, just essentially like – and so it's, it's also a vasoconstrictor. So the the depths – like you get in this horrible – I'm going to really freak you out now, but like you, you get into this like really depraved where like you're, you're trying to hit a shot, but all your veins are blown out. So you're just stabbing yourself repeatedly. Christ, and dude. Fuck. The, probably the lowest was I was, oh. I was out. Um, I was out of everything. Um, Miriam, if you're listening, you can just, you know, we had a good podcast. You can end it here. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll talk to you next week, mom. Um, I was out of everything, and then I remembered that I had a old. So I tried to get shoot a shot of meth, and blood went into the syringe, but I never was able to get it. So I just threw the syringe in a drawer. So it was full of meth and blood, and it was about a week old. So I went and grabbed it, and so it was thick and congealed. Jesus! And just heated it up a little bit to loosen up, and I shot up week old blood, like the like. The worst feeling, and so because of all that, now I'm back to 
terrified of needles. And it's, it, I don't know if terrified is the word. It's just like, dude, giving, so all my veins are shot out. So whenever I have to get blood taken, I tell the nurses like, hey, like this is going to be an ordeal and I'm probably going to pass out. And like I break out in cold sweats, oh, goosebumps, because my, my body is like, oh, oh, we're about to, we're, we're about to get high. And then it's like, oh, no, we're not. Well, fuck you then. And it just yeah. makes me feel awful. So it's, oh. yeah, I hate, I can't. It's the worst. I, I need someone to develop a technology to test blood without having to hit my vein, please. Absolutely. I'm, w- I'm with you there. I would do, <sighs> I would be so much healthier because I would go to the doctor if I could just do everything with a finger prick. Because that know. doesn't Why can't me. you? Why can't we? I don't know. I don't get it. Stupid Figure it out. People. There was that, uh, that was that, um, that, that big scam. I can't remember the name. Yes. Of it. Yeah. Oh, and gosh. Like I, I, I was like, yes, this. Yes, me too. Finally. So, so people know what we're talking. Uh, Soros, what was her name? I can't think um, of it. So it was, I'm going to look it up. Um, Lady who went to jail for a fake company. Scam, fake company. Elizabeth That's Theranos. Holmes. That was it. Theranos. Theranos. Yes. Elizabeth Holmes. So she was this, there's a good uh, Netflix documentary, but she yeah, was basically like, I've developed a technology to do all the blood tests with just a finger prick. And everyone was like, yes. And turns out she was lying. Yeah. I, and like, I, when I watched that video, I was like, oh man, this sounds great. I really wish yeah. this wasn't bullshit. Yeah. I, it seems like you would be able to take a microscopic amount and find exactly what you need, but maybe I'm just stupid and don't know. And me too. I, I don't, I don't either. I mean, yeah. Or like just extrapolate or I'm sure eventually well, they'll just be able to like just take my little bit and like clone it into whatever you need yeah. and use that. Like quit. Yeah, Can you imagine back it. in the day when when they would just bleed you as a treatment? Yeah. Which like ironically like was not yeah well or they just straight cut you and yeah. just bleed you. Gotta let and, the blood out it's too much. Yeah, I gotta gotta get the bad humors out. There's ghosts in your blood. <laughs> like, oh, dude. I I was um watching the so the show Chapel Wait, uh, and they had a it's good, it's gnarly. Um, they had a scene where they go to like a uh you know nineteenth century insane asylum, and they're just cold water therapy torturing. It's just torture for crazy people or people like me. Like if I you know alcoholics back then, you would go to an insane asylum and they would. St- Use an ice pick through your yeah, yeah. your tear duct to give you a lobotomy, and you're cured. Like, good God, I'm sure you are. You're cured of so many yeah, I'm problems. I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're great, dude. I, that's what's you know, and I apparently modern day electroshock is like good. Apparently, it works now. Yeah, maybe, but you, you still you still lose your memories. I already have that problem. So, well, there you go. Just go get a. Go get a shock. Um, well, man, I guess yeah, we got to wrap it, or we'll just I'll just keep going on on. Yeah, this is trains. fascinating to me. It's fucking crazy. I know it's good. You, you've done to yourself, honestly. I mean that I you know that's not judgment speaking, but it's like I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine, and I've always sympathized with the people in my family, but also, I mean, I don't. I know not every addict is violent they were and are and and so it's just been an an avoidance of that and i thought that sure you know if i get involved in that i might become like them 
Which is a very real possibility. Yeah. Like, like it's, I've been drunk twice to the point where I don't remember stuff, and that is mm-hmm. the most terrifying shit to me. Because I That's don't good. know what what did I do or say, and it's a bad bad feeling. So I just I don't I don't even do that. Imagine imagine waking up and being arrested for a crime you don't remember. Like yeah. a, like you killed someone. Like that's the yeah. That's gotta be my my. I, I've only had a um. No, I've I've had a, a lot of true blackouts, and it is a terrifying feeling where you're like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah, and like you have to pay the consequences for something that you, like when who, someone it, has it's to always tell interesting you, too. Like when like Drew has had to like tell me about one night where I got wasted, and I did it on purpose. Like I remember chugging the bottle just going nuts on some Jim Beam and I, I was depressed I wasn't were you feeling doing good. it at something like were nope, you drinking at, home. at a we problem at home no like drinks oh yes there was yeah, some okay. conflict and I just wanted to get drunk and didn't, didn't want to yes, feel anything okay. and I when uh, went nuts I apparently I I was just bruised all over the next day I'll just leave it at that I was I had fallen onto the tub and Fallen straight onto the bedroom floor. Don't remember any of it. Somehow, Drew got me back onto the bed. No idea how he did that because I'm way bigger. And, uh, yeah, just woke up the next day feeling like someone had beat the fuck out of me. But Somebody I don't, did. I don't remember a bit of it. Yourself. Than, yes. And then, and then the question is like, so who is in charge when I am in a blackout? Like, who's right. driving the ship? Yeah terrifying it's a weird thought it is a terrifying thought Ooh, because like that because that that consciousness has its own motivations yeah. and like it's like it's, who knows maybe i would have wanted to go for a drive and who could have stopped me like a lot of that happens man frightening it happens that's especially with, with xanax and stuff man that's how yeah. like waking up with things that i've stolen my buddy my buddy dirty mike everyone knows him from this show he woke up surrounded by bloody musical equipment, and what he robbed a music store, like what? just threw a br- <laughs> threw a brick through the window, okay, yeah. and stole a bunch of violins and violas and tubas and shit. Cut himself on the glass, left a blood trail to his house, his mom's house. Walked up to his room, and the cops just woke up, and he was just <laughs> surrounded by musical equipment <laughs> that he did. Doesn't remember a thing of it. That wow. was the same night. Yeah, he. He jumped over a counter at a pharmacy and just decked the person in the face and just grabbed a bunch of bags and just started. Yeah. But so the what I wanted to circle back to is what's incredible to me and to me, this I attribute it to a miraculous spiritual event is the fact that I am number one alive. Number two, about to be a father like I'm you know what I'm saying? It's like that's the the true. um. surprise of 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 the things i've done to myself is the fact that i can still form sentences you know like i'm not in jail i'm still alive it's it's yeah i don't take that for granted for sure because a lot of my friends are and that's that's a that's a weird one that's that's one i don't understand like why uh why me and not them why them and not me sort of thing but my one one of like my few memories of in the 10 to 12 age bracket was like a making a conscious decision that there should not be victims of my life, including myself. 
because I had always been the victim of my father's life and his decisions and things like that. So there was this, I think that is ultimately what's driven me to be scared to death of anything that might alter it, that. Yeah. And I, I, I say stick with that because yeah. you do have like, you got the potential hundred percent genetically. Oh yeah. I know. At least, at least 50. Well, if, if it was your mom and dad, then a hundred percent. Just my dad. Um, but. Okay. Okay. I don't think she Still. really dealt with much of that. Um, and it's it's in my counseling experience, it's it's basically I guess it's one of three ways of how uh children that grew up with addicted parents either they do what you did and they sw- they're never gonna do that, or they swear off of it until they get to a certain age and then they try something and they're like, Oh wait, this actually feels good. Or they like try to one up their parents or they, you know, it's the classic. I want to know what is, what felt so good that could surpass your love for me. So I need to try Like I think that's what happened with my sister. I think she, yeah. And like, she beats herself up terribly because she feels like she's just like her father. And I and it's and it's you. a disease, man. Yeah. yeah, and it's that's what's it's 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 you know if you want to talk about generational sin, it's just a yeah. genetic. It is you you have a disease. You have a yeah. disease of the brain. It's a it's a disease of your thinking, where you have an allergic reaction to substances. Where if I take them, uh, it overrides everything else. Yeah, that's just the. And it, it's easy. It's easy to. Um, moralitize how would you say that to moralize um and, and just say like i'm just a bad person i'm just weak-willed no you're not you're you're actually incredibly it takes a phenomenal strength of will to get to wake up every day and try to figure out how to get 150 dollars to get high like to wake up sick with no money and no resources and know that you got to find 150 dollars somehow yeah. And that's and then get high and then pass out and then do it again the next day. Like yeah. day in, day out for years. That takes unbelievable will. Yeah. It sucks. It's a it's a fucking it's a grind. Yeah. I do love Shane Gillis, that comedian, because his sister is a heroin addict. Uh you know, he's like heroin addicts have you just wake up uh and you have quests you have to do for the day. <laughs> It's true. It's so funny. Um, all right. Well, let's let's uh, we can call it for now. But yeah, we we we'll do it again. Plug your uh, plug your shows. Uh, I'm a co-host on Pastor with No Answers, and I have my own podcast that I haven't published in a few months called The Great Deconstruction, which is at thegreatdeconstruction.substack.com. But you should you awesome. know, subscribe and shit. And uh, send me an email, churchandthedrugsgmo.com, um, storefrontier.com slash churchandthedrugs, and patreon.com slash churchandthedrugs, where, remember, you can hear Pastor With No Answers, uh, Patreon content, which I'm about to go upload right now. We will see y'all next time. Love you, buddy. Love you too, man. Stack charm around your neck.
calling some friend, trying to cash some check. He's acting dumb. That's what you come to expect. Needle in the hay. Needle in the hay. Needle in the hay. Needle in the Self, and I don't want to talk. 